calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. Listen to mysteries about true histories on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This splashy tale, Story Club members, might make you stay on the shore forever. It's one I call Overboard. The beast pounded on the door. Chrissy Watkins didn't know how long the door could keep the scaly monster at bay. And to think only an hour ago she had been bored out of her mind. What a difference 60 minutes makes. The wooden closet door buckled under the pressure of the brute's prodigious strength. It would not hold for long, Chrissy knew. There was no place left on the boat to run. Would this really be her last day alive? It had all started when Chrissy had gone on a cruise with her best friend, Lexi Kinter. Lexi's parents had a 20-meter yacht. It was supposed to be just an overnight trip at sea, a nice quick getaway. However, as night fell, the seas grew rough and it was clear that the excursion wasn't going quite as smoothly as Lexi's parents had expected. Reports on the boat's scope stated that seismic activity on the ocean floor was causing the rough waters, an earthquake underwater. It had shaken things up on the surface, that was for sure. Chrissy had wanted to go on the cruise and thought it would be fun, but her friend Lexi just kept FaceTiming a boy she was interested in back on shore instead of hanging out. And the rough waters were making Chrissy feel pretty green around the gills to top things off. Lonely, sick, and bored. Ugh. Chrissy had mostly hung out with the family pooch, Pipette, a black Labrador pup. She was playing tug-of-war with his rope toy for what seemed like forever. The dog was super cute, but the game got lame fast. Lexi's mother was taking a nap, and Lexi's father was busy driving the boat. When she tried to strike up a conversation with him, all that he wanted to talk about were his company's stock options. Chrissy practically fell asleep standing up. Then, the underwater quake had made the calm sea stir as the sun had fallen. The sky turned blood red. And then, a scaly creature climbed over the side of the yacht. It must have stood seven feet tall. It had webbed hands and feet and gills on the side of its amphibian-looking face. It was mottled green in color and had razor-sharp teeth. 
Perhaps the underwater earthquake had awakened it? It nearly took a bite out of poor Pepet the Labrador, but Chrissy managed to distract the beast with a flashlight. It seemed to dislike the brilliant glare. Obviously, it was used to living in darkness. Mr. Kinter had tried to attack the beast with a boat hook, but the monster had knocked him across the deck. Lexi's father's head struck a full, heavy can of fuel as he landed. And he didn't move after that. Mrs. Kinter locked herself in her cabin along with Lexi and the dog. They screamed for Chrissy to hurry and join them, but the lumbering sea creature had cut her off from escaping. She couldn't flee by jumping into the water either. The monster would either come after her, or she'd perish in the cold embrace of the sea. Unable to join Lexi and her mom in their cabin, Chrissy ran for cover in one of the other cabins. The monster followed her. She sprinted into a cabin with an open closet door. The closet door had a mirror on the inside panel. Since it was ajar, the monster had confused Chrissy's reflection for his prey, giving her an opportunity to shove the beast inside the closet from behind. Chrissy had found a butter knife left beside a half-eaten meal on the bedside table in the cabin. She was using the dull knife to jam the door closed, but the contained creature was strong and it wouldn't hold. She could try to run and hide in a different cabin, but it would inevitably find her. Chrissy had no doubt this monster would find everyone on board. Then the monster broke down the closet door, angrier than ever. Its green eyes flashed with fury. Chrissy ran as fast as she could back onto the deck. Then seeing the unconscious Mr. Kinter, she suddenly had an idea. She picked up the fuel canister, opened it, and sloshed some gasoline onto the predatory invader. It screamed and hissed at her. She then grabbed the flare gun that was on board for emergencies, aimed, and fired at the creature. The gun launched a single flare at the approaching Gill Man. It burst into flames, screaming and howling. The burning figure dove over the side and back into the black waters. Except now, the boat was on fire. Fantastic. One problem solved, another problem created. Now the monster was out of the frying pan, but Chrissy and her friends remained. Thinking quickly, she grabbed a fire extinguisher and managed to smother the orange blaze that licked the wooden deck. After squelching the fire, Chrissy peered over the side of the ship. The last thing she saw of the monster was it staring back at her just below the surface, its intense eyes studying her coldly. She had beaten it, but would it be back? Chrissy managed to revive Mr. Kinter. His head was bleeding, so she bandaged it with a towel. Then she radioed the Coast Guard for help. They didn't believe her and the Kinter story of the monster that had climbed aboard their boat and nearly ended them all. But for Chrissy Watkins, she now knew that such creatures lurked beneath the water's surface. That mermen weren't creatures of myth and fantasy, but really real. And that monster that had attacked her would likely be back again, someday, rising to the surface from the dark depths below. Would she be so lucky again? So I don't go boating that often, but next time I do, I'm gonna ensure that I have an extra can of boat fuel, a fire extinguisher, and a flare gun, just in case a seven-foot amphibian monster decides to climb aboard and do a little creature from the Black Lagoon cosplay. I'll totally make fish tacos out of him if he's not careful. Dang it, now I'm hungry for fish tacos. <laughs> 
Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This mischievous tale, Story Club members, might make you stay away from antique dolls. It's one I call Myron. His name is Myron, my mom said. He's pretty neat, isn't he? Myron? How do you know? What kind of name is that for a doll? The doll sat on the living room coffee table. He was about a meter or so in length, with a cloth body covered in a black and white striped long-sleeved shirt and black suspenders with black boots. He had a pale porcelain head, raven-colored hair, and was wearing dark, round glasses. Behind the glasses were inky eyes. As I stared back at him, transfixed and deeply unsettled, there was one thing that I was absolutely sure about. I was not a fan of this doll. My mom, on the other hand, excitedly pulled the back of his shirt away from his body. See here? The tag says Myron. Um, mom, he's seriously kind of creepy. Where did you even get him? Well, while your sleepyhead was still in bed on this fine Saturday morning, I got up early and went yard sailing. There was this big estate sale on Sycamore Lane. You know, the place with that big old mansion that burned down last month? Ugh, a shame. It was a landmark. And those poor people who died in that fire, just horrible. Anyway, there was some furniture and some other items in there that were for sale. He smells like a campfire. Yeah, he does have some smoke damage. I might remove his clothes and have them dry clean to get that stench out. He might have some pretty good resale value on eBay or offer up. Or I might just keep him around. Myron is one of a kind. Yeah, I guess. My mom was kind of weird about collecting random junk from yard sales. She has this collection of metal jello molds hanging on the walls of our apartment. She loves old-timey things, as she calls them. Yeah, I do not share her love of antiques. I don't know, vintage dolls and toys and even furniture? They kinda make me sick to my stomach. I know it's weird, but I can't help it. And this Myron was no exception. The fact that he stank of smoke and was eerie made my tummy twist into knots. Um, he can live in your room, mom. The next morning, I woke up with my mom yelling for me to get up. She told me to come into the living room. When I did, I couldn't believe my eyes. The walls were covered with writing from a red sharpie that had been in my room. It said, Mikey was here, long live Mikey. Mikey rules, can't stop Mikey. Why did you do this, Mikey, why? But mom, I didn't. Your name is all over the walls. If the landlord sees this, he'll throw us out of the apartment. Go get something to clean it off. And that's how my life went with Myron in the apartment. First, the writing on the walls, then one of my mom's favorite planters was broken, then a window. Each time I told her that I didn't do it, and each time she didn't believe me. And Myron would just sit there with that stone-cold expression on his pale porcelain face. I did an internet search for Myron doll. It didn't take long to find some shocking news. It seemed that Myron was once a real boy who was the son of Long Island painter and sculptor Benjamin Collins. Myron Collins died when he was eight years old. He was a mischievous boy who met his untimely end while playing a prank. In this case, he was on a ladder and was going to dump a bucket full of chicken's blood and feathers on somebody walking past, except Myron fell off the ladder and broke his neck. The distraught father who was into the occult had a seance. He built the doll and asked a soothsayer to conjure Myron's restless soul into the form. Myron's father became a hermit after his son's death and spent all of his time talking to the doll. 
after he died, Myron the doll was moved around, and it seemed that wherever he ended up, there would coincidentally be a fatal, accidental fire. Just like the last house he was at. I told my mom all this, but she simply told me, you can't believe everything that you read on the internet. Then, one day, I was playing video games, and I smelled something burning. At first, I thought mom had scorched some food in the kitchen, but then I remembered she said she needed to go to the supermarket. I found Myron in her room. He was lying on the floor, a box of wooden matches next to him. The bedroom curtains were on fire. Grabbing a blanket off mom's bed, I thrashed the flames with it until they went out. The smoke alarm screamed with an ear-piercing shriek. Okay, that's it, Evil Myron, your history. Grabbing the doll, I took him out of the apartment and down to the basement. It was an old apartment that had a trash incinerator. Opening it, I tried to throw Myron inside. That's when he grabbed me, fighting me not to go into the flames. His porcelain mouth cracked into a twisted grin. However, I managed to throw him into the incinerator, slamming it closed behind him. Through the tiny window, I watched as Myron burned, the paint melting off his face. It was pretty gruesome, but at least I was alive. When it was over, I opened the door and sifted through the ashy remains with a poker. You know, just to make sure. But that turned out to be a big mistake, because something rushed out of the incinerator and into my mouth. And suddenly, I wasn't Mikey anymore. I was Myron. When I burned the doll, I had freed his trapped soul. And now, he was inside me, possessing me. Returning to the apartment, I waited for my mom to return home from the store and started plotting my next prank. Ugh, my goodness. That Myron is a little creep. Who even wants a frightening doll like that around? Mikey's mom must have been off her rocker to buy it. Guess she'll be a little shocked when she learns that her son isn't really her son when she returns home. <laughs> Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts.
Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This soaring tale, Story Club members, might make you not want to shoot for the virtual stars. It's one I call Rickety Rocket. Three, two, one, launch. The force of the rocket lifting off knocked Hillary Densmore for a loop. The G-force as the vessel escaped the planet's gravity and soared into the sparkly night field of space pushed her back in the seat that was molded to her spacesuit-encased form. Even though she knew it was only a virtual simulation of space travel, it felt real. The game was called Rickety Rocket, and the object was to reach the orbit moon of the planet without breaking into a million pieces. The game was the first of its kind, a prototype, and Hillary had been chosen out of 10,000 potential participants to test drive the eponymous star missile. For all her 11 years, Hillary dreamed of being an astronaut. She grew up watching videos of rocket launches and shuttlecraft missions, and of life on the International Space Station. The idea of eventually living off-world appealed to her. She flicked the controls masterfully, the rocket shuddering as it left the gravitational pull of the planet and hurled toward the lonely moon. But this wasn't Earth, and she wasn't heading toward the familiar pale moon in the night sky. No, this moon was called Xanthar, which was the 12th moon of the hostile jungle planet Orinthica. Not only was Rickety Rocket coming apart, but some crab-like creatures called Decapods had hitched a ride onto her ship. Though they were only each a half meter in length, they had incredibly sharp talons that could shear through the metal hull of the vessel. Once inside, they would feast on her flesh. Yeah, no, that wasn't happening. Alarms blasted as the hitchhiking decapods breached the hull. Neither the friction of the atmosphere nor the velocity of the rocket could shake the invaders off. Hillary came to an asteroid belt surrounding the planet Orinthica. Maybe she could lose a few of these crabby interlopers before they ripped into her ship. She flew close to some rocky debris floating in space. Too close. The rocks thumped the ship, causing it to shudder. On her scopes, however, Hillary saw at least a half dozen decapods fly off and hurtle into the dark abyss of space. Keeping her cool under pressure, Hillary crisscrossed through the asteroids, shaking off more of the mini monsters loose while simultaneously dodging jagged space rocks. After clearing the asteroid field, another problem existed. The fuel gauge had dropped dramatically. One of the decapods had cut a primary fuel line. No way she would be able to make it to the Xanthar moon on a quarter tank of rocket fuel. Inevitably, she would run out of gas, then float in space, breathing through her remaining oxygen, and then dying, her lifeless body drifting in space aboard an inert vessel that would be her metal coffin. Yeah, not happening. Hillary wasn't prepared to lose this game. She jammed the controls on autopilot, climbed out of her seat, into the airlock, and then outside the ship. She'd have to repair the fuel line. That would be her only chance of making it to the moon and winning the game. The decapods had done a number on Rickety Rocket. The vessel was already a piece of flying garbage, but now it appeared worse with rips in the hull. Hillary couldn't repair those, but she could fix the fuel line. She pulled out her repair kit. Using some metallic tape, she sealed the leaking fuel line. Wow, literally saving her life with tape. She then took a moment to gaze at the beautiful sea of stars through her helmet visor. What a beautiful sight. Climbing back into her cockpit, the fuel gauge held. If she backed off on speed, she could possibly make it. 
she might have to coast in once she reached the moon's gravity field and then do a controlled crash, but it was better than floating in space forever as a corpse. Moments later, when Hillary was in Xanthar's gravitational pull, she radioed in. Ground control, this is Captain Densmore. I'm making my final descent. Hopefully it won't be my final final descent, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean, ground control? Ground control responded that they did, and that she had the all clear to proceed. The engines cut off, depleted of fuel. She would have to take this bucket of bolts in. Grabbing the controls, she piloted it to the rocky moon's surface, pulling up on the stick just before impact. The rickety rocket flew apart, losing pieces all over the craggy face of the moon. But she was alive. Any crash you could walk away from was a good crash, right? Hillary climbed out of the wreckage of the rickety rocket. She had enough air in her suit for a few hours where she would hopefully be rescued by another rocket arriving from Orenthica. But if not, she told herself, at least it was only just a game. Hillary had more lives and could play again. Oxygen suddenly fizzled out of her suit. What? A decapod reached one of its talon claws inside and ripped at her flesh. Ah, no! The burning pain hurt too much. This was supposed to be a simulation, right? How was this feeling so real then? Grabbing the decapod, Hillary ripped it off her suit and tossed it to the ground. It scuttled off. She could feel herself changing. The wound was infected. She would turn into a decapod soon and be like one of those taloned monsters. A taloned monster inside of a spacesuit. As Captain Hillary Densmore transformed into a scaly beast, she forgot she was ever human. But what she did know is that more humans would arrive in their rickety rockets, and then she would feed. Yikes. I guess Hillary Densmore was kinda like one of those old TV dinners that used to be covered in tinfoil for a decapod. But now, the dinner tables will turn when she dines on another unwary astronaut. <laughs> right now, I'm gonna go dine as well. I'm gonna kick back with a slice of pizza and listen to some other great storytellers on the Go Could Go network. There are so many adventures to enjoy with Go Could Go, like Bobby Wonder about a 10-year-old alien who has to protect the town of Pflugerville from villainous Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow, and Martha and Waffle being totally hilarious nitwits in the underground world of Flusville. Go Kid Go even has an underwater adventure show called Whale of a Tale about the brother and sister exploring team Atlas and Xavier who live in a submarine shaped like a whale. So join me in searching for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, Flusville, and Whale of a Tale wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, I'll meet you back here tomorrow for another Story Club tale, beloved listeners. After all, Story Club members deserve their daily scare fix. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! We believe that stories are magic, so when we find a great one, we can't wait to share it. Far, far away on the planet Florp, a baby named Bobby Wonder was born. But his parents relocated the family to Earth right after the birth, so Bobby grew up having no idea he was an alien. Until his 10th birthday, that is. Can you imagine waking up on your birthday to find out that you can fly and talk to ducks? <coughs> Created by a New York Times best-selling children's author and produced by the award-winning Go Kid Go team, Bobby Wonder is out of this world fun! 
Search for Bobby Wonder on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.